Hey friends, Jay Stephen Willard here for a, another episode of There Once Was a Yogi. I swear when I record these intros, there's always some crazy shit happening in the world. Uh, today, just watching just the heartbreaking images out of Afghanistan. And I'm not going to go into a lot of it because, frankly, I don't know enough about it to offer why would you even want another opinion on it? You have your own opinions. I think it's very sad. I think we should extend compassion, love, prayers, whatever, you know, thoughts and prayers sounds like not enough. But sometimes I think we say that because we literally don't know what else to do. So let's just send some some love, some compassion out into a, a world that uh, so desperately needs it. Anyway, uh, this episode is with my friend, Jeremiah. He's also my former roommate, one of my former roommates, who is a rolfer, which we talk about what that means. Uh, I find it interesting in 2021 when uh, that word comes up, people are like, what's that? And it's like, you literally have a thing in your hand that you could type rolfing in. But we talk a little bit about that. We talk about uh, some brushes with death. <laughs> what else do we talk about? Uh, we drink. Well, he drinks a lot more than I. Well, in this episode, he drinks more than I do, not in general. And uh, we have some laughs. I think, you know, he's one of my favorite people to talk to because he he literally has an opinion about everything. And I always used to describe him this way, that Jeremiah was the kind of person that if you asked him, if you saw him in the street and you asked him how he was doing, he was going to actually tell you how he was doing. It wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm good. How are you? So it's, it's, uh, he's uh, one of my favorite people. And I think it's a really fun conversation. I think you'll, you'll learn some stuff about your body. Um, <laughs> we're kind of cynical yoga people at the same time. So you might hear some stuff about that. And uh, it was just a good time. And I hope you enjoy it. And I will... See you on the next episode. Bye. All right, friends. I am sitting here today with one of my, I, always, I know I've said this a lot, one of my favorite people, <laughs> Jeremiah Evers, uh, who is um, the rolfing master of Charleston, South Carolina. Say master. hi to the... Say, Hello. It's so good to be here. <laughs> we are sitting in... Um, the room where it happens. The magic. The magic. The magic room. <laughs> the magic fingers of Jeremiah. Uh, let's see. Jeremiah and I lived together for a period. Mm -hmm. He is one of my all-time favorite roommates ever. Yes. And just to sound intriguing, Jeremiah has touched me in ways and in places <laughs> <laughs> that no other person has before or since. Well, Stephen... It, since I'm a rolfer, like I touch a lot of people in those ways, so not not to make you not special in any regard. You would again be not the first man to say that to me that I was not special in that moment. Well, first of all, can I say something? Of course. Okay, so I've been listening to some of your other podcasts, like the first one and the second one, and it seems like there's always a cocktail involved. There is. Well, so I know you've got to work later. <laughs> Wait, but. I mean, I come on. I can, of course, look an insulated bag. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's I'll... gonna be about eleven o'clock. 
You know, there's people That's drinking perfect. somewhere. I mean, mimosas are... So I've got oh, this yeah. Oasis if okay. you want to try I'll that. I'll totally try that. It's a, a seltzer water. Are you having a PBR? Sweet water. No, I'm going to have a nice Pilsner. Oh, wow. Yes. I have uh, only... From Holy City Brewery. They make a great Pilsner. Well, here, well, let's coordinate the... Uh... Hang on, hang on. Okay, you ready? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said if I'm going to do this podcast with you... I've got to have a cocktail. I have so far. Oh, that's tasty. Yeah. Oh, it's a hard seltzer. It's made by uh, um, Sweetwater, which is a brewery in Atlanta. Okay. And I don't, you you know, and it also has electrolytes, antioxidants, and vitamin C. Oh, it's healthy. So it's healthy. Yep. Yes. I only drink healthy. I love that. Keeping the... Keeping the trend alive. Now, if I can get this koozie on. While I fight with this koozie. It's easier um, when it's not cracked. I've true. learned that over the years. As in most things. Um, okay, so Jeremiah is a rolfer. So explain to the folks cheers. what rolfing is. Cheers. All right. Explain to the folks what rolfing is. God, that's such an open-ended question. But I can give you like the... The internet. elevator pitch. Yeah, well, the internet... <laughs> answer or the Rolf website answer you know it's a hands-on modality um, that works with the myofascial system the the uh, bundles surrounding all the muscles uh, of the body uh, with the aim of realigning uh, and well releasing adhesions and realigning the body then uh, in gravity the mm. idea being that, like, if the body's out of alignment, mm-hmm. that's what over time then leads to, say, chronic pain. Right. So, like, if you have a hip issue, there's a very strong chance that it's, uh, or there's a chance that it's related to some habitual way you've carried yourself for many years. Yeah, on a purely like structural level, if we look at it like that. So, the body being the structure. Mm-hmm. Um, a structure that moves mechanically. Mm-hmm. So if we look at, you know, from a rolfing perspective, if we look at it purely structural, uh, there are repetitious movements over time that we do that get reinforced then. Right. And within the fascias, which is our main focus, um, that's where, uh, I guess you could say, like the muscle memory lies. And mm. so if you, say, are slumping forward at a computer... Right. Uh, you've reinforced a, a set or a combination of muscles to uh, to reinforce that pattern. Yeah. So then the body adapts, it listens, the connective tissue shortens to make that, to accommodate those changes, mm-hmm. and then you get stuck that way. Right. So then let's use, you know, stick with the slumping at a computer example. So then when you go to stand up, you feel this, you know, uh, say your chest yeah. is rounded forward or whatever. You know, that's going to show up as, you know, tightness in the chest. But more likely, you're going to start feeling strain, like in the back of the neck and the shoulders, because Mm -hmm. those muscles are meant to be like back and down. Well, that shortened front is bringing those back muscles up and forward, Mm -hmm. strain, pulling them. And so we feel this and we're like plants, us human beings, because we're we're in the gravitational field. So we always want to find the most upright. Okay, but if we're slumped and we've got limitation there because of these repetitious patterns that have Mm -hmm. been reinforced over the years, then we're going to make compensations by, in this case, like tightening the erectors, the back muscles, pulling the shoulders back so that I get this impression that my head is now up on top and it's not being hunched forward. 
Well, now what you've done, and Ida Rolf always said, it's not usually the patterns that are the problem. It's the, well, it is the patterns, but it's the compensatory patterns, the adjustments to what we're feeling. Mm. And that could be an injury, but in this case, let's stick with the rounded shoulder thing. When we adjust then, now I've created tension in the body. I'm working hard to maintain a sense of uprightness. Yeah. And the body doesn't need to work that way. So if we're properly aligned, you know, think of um, Tadasana. Yeah. So if we're lining things up, you know, and, and if I recall from teaching, you know, it's like you, you kind of guide the student to feel like, okay, now feel you know, that energy or gravity coming down through, mm -hmm. you know, rooting into the ground. Mm -hmm. And then you're using that, that anti-gravity, if you will, which is actually the hydrostatic pressure systems of the body. Yeah. So you're using that downward force to then create an oppositional upward lift. And that creates space within our body. So you're finding down and up. Now, if we're misaligned, think of a house with a roof that's off-center. Mm -hmm. If a head's too far forward, gravity's going to take that down. Yeah. And therefore, it's going to be more effort to be upright and right. find that reciprocal lift back up through the system. So, tell me if I'm understanding this right. So, like, say you notice in yourself that you're doing this slumpy thing. Like, I'm, you know, I'm Joe Cool, and I notice I'm slumpy forward. So, yeah. I, I go to the gym, and I'm doing, like the pulls and all of that stuff, like you said, to develop the back muscles. And so I'm not really fixing my problem. I'm just adding another layer to my problem. Yeah. And so what you would accomplish through rolfing is to create the space within the fascial tissue. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So this shortening I keep talking about, you know, that's adhesion or compression mm -hmm. or, you know, I mean, there's probably a dozen other words for it, but mm -hmm. it, it's so... It's where we've lost a spaciousness within the body. Yeah. And so like you mentioned, then going and doing the weights. Now that, if it was done right, could be a good antithesis <laughs> to some right. of that forward rounding pattern yeah. if you were doing yeah. it right. Mm -hmm. But I'm assuming you mean like some bohunk going for <laughs> like the, right. the big weights. Right. Yeah, and so like that just makes me think of an analogy of like the pebble in the water, right? Mm -hmm. So the pebble is the source mm -hmm. of the ripple, mm -hmm. okay? Well, then we layer on top of that, right? Maybe through the weight example you're talking about or or the adjustments that I mentioned earlier, the compensations. Yeah. So now we've layered out, you know, so by the time somebody, you know, is feeling chronic pain, we're in these outer ripples. Mm. The source is there. Yeah. And so with fascia, because there's basically three layers, you've got the epidural, which mm. is um, like your uh, the skin. Right. And then deep to that, you've got the superficial layer of fascia. And then deep to that is the deeper layer of fascia, which mm. relates in like more from core. Yeah. So let's say you've got like that pattern or injury. Well, you've compensated now. That's a layer out. Mm -hmm. And then you keep compensating. And then time goes by. And next thing you know, you're way over here. Now you're starting to experience, you know, pain in your shoulder. Right. Which could have its origins, like, in your fucking childhood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're going to get to that. So let, thumbtack that. Okay. Um, it, it, you know, you, you bring up the, the slumping thing. But I think that that's, like, you see that in everybody now. Sure. So you've been doing this how long? 17 years. 17 years. So how have you noticed a change in bodies over, like, when you started 17 years ago, what was the most common 
Well, I, I mean, or, it's, you know, I'm 46, so it's before my generation, but I know from being taught by these earlier generation Rolfers, mm-hmm. and if you look at the Rolfing Boy logo, I mean, that's from like the 1950s and 60s. So the pattern that was more pred- pre- predominant back in those days, and, and you can still see some of this, but was like a hyper extended, almost militaristic like, stand up, up straight, right. young lady. Right. You know? Look on the head. Yeah. And there's a story Ida Rolf tells in her book. You know, it's like um, these messages we receive, and, and put, I know you said put a tag in it, but just it's relative to this point. Um, the messages we receive, you know, uh, say we're in church and your mom gives you a little swat on the yeah. ass because you're slouching, a little slap to the butt, and she says, stand up straight, young man. Mm hmm. Well, how do you internalize that? Mm. It's through a contraction. Yeah. So some, so from very early on, and now this gets back to the original question, which is Rolfing. So I gave you the, the quarter more modern answer, which relates directly to structure. Right. When Ida Rolf got into, uh, developed the series back in the day, she started teaching it out at the uh, Esalen Institute, which is in Big Sur, California. And they've mm-hmm. got Esalen Massage. It's like a retreat center. They have their own form of massage. Okay. And, um, Does it still exist? Yeah, it's still oh. out there. Okay. But at the same time, Fritz Perls was out there. And Fritz Perls is the developer of Gestalt Therapy. Oh. Which is, you know, yeah. I have rage towards my father. Let me get a bat and beat the shit out of this yeah. couch. And, 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 and primal rage scream you know and get it out and so the early origins of rolfing were let's work them so deep they're screaming on the table so that they can have an emotional response an emotional release and that's what they were doing then this was when that's like in the 50s 60s early 60s oh interesting but that's part of what was called the human potential movement was going on yeah you know so this was about you know it's the 60s i mean that kind of says it all well so Rolf and Ida Rolf was into all things esoteric. She was mm. into Sufism. She was into chiropractic, yoga. Um, I mean, osteopathy, like everything. But now, Rolfing in modern times has been marketed towards what is a sign of the times or a product of the times, which is chronic pain. Right. It works well to do that. But Ida Rolf originally couldn't give two shits about chronic pain. Her main aim ties in with this Gestalt stuff. Okay. And the, the connection of the mind and body. Yeah. So her idea was, if you are hard and unyielding person. Uh-huh. Oh, wait. If you have a hard and unyielding structure, body. Okay. Are you hard and unyielding in your world? Mm. And she would say yes. And so to her, the, the rolfing and finding balance and integration, if we're misaligned, we're out of integrity oh interesting okay okay and if you get aligned it can shift your mind Mm -hmm. and that was her whole thing rolfing started as a gateway to the brain to the mind to shift the mind yeah it was more rooted in psychological spiritual development than what it's become now oh so now people some people come to it you know because they have some sort of psychological goals mm-hmm. or spiritual goals, but most people come because their knee hurts or right. their yeah. shoulder hurts. Now, I will tell you this, two different kinds of pain. There is some that's purely structural, going back to what we were talking about um, through repetitious patterns or Injury, injuries and right. whatever you're going to have. 
But what I've learned in 17 years that, yeah, sometimes you press the right button and the pain goes away. But there's this other layer of pain. Mm-hmm. And this is strictly my uh, projection and intuition that you start poking at things and you realize, like, this pain runs deeper. It's mm. more rooted in the pain body. It's oh. more rooted in the psyche. It could be stress is a great example yeah. of, like, where inflammation comes up. Trauma. And, Trauma, you know, suppressed trauma, whatever it is, this stuff plays out in the form of chronic pain as well. So, okay, so I want to, yeah, I want to stay on this road then. So we'll take the tack out of it. So, (laughs) does, or uh, how do I want to phrase this? Are different um, pains or traumas or whatever held in different parts of the body? Does that make sense? Yes. Do your hips hold on to something different from your shoulders? Yes. I mean, and there's tons of books about this kind right. of stuff. You're familiar with Louise Hayes. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's got a whole... In, I mean, that came from her intu- intuition. Yeah. Uh, almost like a medical intuitive. Right. Um, so there is that. And, you know, I've got... Uh, uh, I did some stuff at the Baral Institute, which is visceral manipulation. So organs tend to be pretty emotional oh. holding. Oh, interesting. And our organs have fascia. So restrictions yeah. at that deep level. So, I, I mean, I could generalize but you know I try not to project because everyone's different Mm -hmm. but yeah like if you think of like the chakra system so hips you know that's very earth oriented it's also where our sex organs are so any sort of Mm. uh, uh, physical or sexual molestation is going to show up in your hips or a holding in your hips you know I've had clients over the years where you know, you can't even touch their psoas. Mm, you know, is yeah. that because it's tight? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. like, what's the deeper layer going on? Right. There? So it's not my job. And we do it in rolfing circles and behind closed doors, mm-hmm. uh, talking amongst ourselves. But if I'm working with a client and I get this intuitive hit as I put my hands on somebody, I was like, oh, well, this runs deeper than, like, tight muscles. Can you actually feel it? Like... You don't feel it on a palpable. It, it's intuitive, like, the, like, uh, like as the practitioner. So the way my so some people you've heard this over the years. You know they see colors or vapors or they might see this, that, and the other. I don't see any of that. Okay. But I am an intuitive rolfer. I'm not a technical rolfer. That stuff has developed over the years. You know the structural engineer type brain mm-hmm. when you're examining structure in a very Newtonian way or whatever, like. X plus Y equals Z, and the hamstrings do this, and if you release that, then this will happen. I get lost in that. Okay. So when I, you know, we do a standing assessment at the beginning, you've done this. Yeah. When I'm looking, you know, I'm taking in their information if they've Mm -hmm. shared something, but then I sort of soften my gaze, and I get, like, I feel my back body. I become aware of my back space so I'm not leaning into them too much energetically. Mm. I soften my gaze so I'm not trying to see things. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back in my vision field and I become aware of my peripheral because that keeps me from being, you know, like a horse with the blinders on yeah. trying to see just forward. Yeah. And so in that moment then, I get like, bam, bam, bam. This is what you're doing. Oh, or I might get a hit of like, Oh, this dude doesn't want to get better. 
or oh, or, how do you, or, or you know how do you know that like explain that like, that could be like body language or it could just be an intuitive hit and this is why I'm like I said I'm careful not to project yeah and I'm not yeah. gonna bring any of this up but it's definitely guiding the process it allows me to hold space for it mm-hmm. to be aware of it could I be wrong yes so I'm not gonna be mr. and it's not the context of this practice to be mr. psychiatrist or anything right, right. I'm not gonna say oh you know you're holding in your pelvis were you molested <laughs> as a child yeah no yeah. I mean that's not my place but I'll give you an example of this was early on when I was in kind of still insecure rolfer mode. Okay. You know, I hadn't reached that 10,000 hour mode where, you know, my hands didn't have the mileage yet. So me being me and overly analytical and insecure and anxiety, uh, having anxiety and not being good enough. I'm like with this client and she would come in and I was getting, there was no rapport as far as I could tell. And she'd come in, she did a 10 series and she, I'd say, how did it go last session? Fine. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then after the third session, there's kind of an out. You know, well, do you want to go forward? Do you, you know, this is a nice mini series within the line. Yeah, I want to go forward. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Goes on. She leaves, and I'm just like, I don't even know what happened. I don't even know <laughs> if she changed or what. Right. So six months later, I get a letter in the mail, like a long letter from her. Oh, wow. And she's like, I just want to thank you. I would go out to my car after a session, and I would... I would cry after every session. Oh, yeah. And then she went into her history, which had sexual abuse. Yeah. And so that was her journey. Oh, that's wild. And here I'm oblivious to yeah. it. She didn't share yeah. it. Some people do. Yeah. But, like, in that moment, like, that lesson early on, Rolfer taught me, like, like where my place is as far as boundaries go. Mm. Like, I'm here, like, the hired help. Mm. I'm here to facilitate something. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to do it for them. Mm. Like, that's their journey. Yeah. And some people, shit, man, I've had clients for 17 years. And, and they've been through their 10 series. I yeah. mean, it could be 10 years later yeah. that they have a breakthrough. So no one's going to give anything up until yeah. they're ready. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think the same thing happens like in therapy. Right. Well, right. Where, yeah. Because it's like a, a self like a self-protection thing. Well, and that's what uh, I'm saying. Going back to the mind-body origins of rolfing, mm-hmm. it's like like uh, my 10 series was like 10 years of psychotherapy wrapped up in 10 sessions. Yeah. It was profound yeah. and dreams and color. I mean, it was fucking crazy. Yeah. I can remember my mine. 20s. I did the 10 series with with Jeremiah and um you know, I really didn't have a right. strong idea of what I was getting into. You know, when you put your finger at my nose, I was very surprised. Yeah. Um, first but, time? Yeah, actually. First and only time. <laughs> like, but, um, Just one more orifice to check off, did, right? yeah. Let's see. Uh, well, I think you checked them all, because didn't you go in my ear as well, I feel like? Well, I and, probably did a little, not all the way, but definitely the mouth. I do remember the I tell the mouth story quite but a bit. But that's not the first time. For no, that. no. <laughs> so I, I might as well tell the story at this point. So that's like towards the end of the 10, right? Like, is that like seven Session or eight? Seven, okay, yeah. yeah so it's seven. head and neck, uh, cranial structures. Yeah. And it's, it's intense. Like there's a lot of work like along the jawline and can I do this? <laughs> that was, that was the sound of the beverage being finished. Um, it is Friday. So I'm going right. to go into my second <laughs> one. <laughs> and, uh, you were going to work what under, under my tongue, right? 
or yeah, was it in session the... seven? When you go in the mouth, you work the tyroids, the masseter, which are the muscles of mastication and grinding. And then you do the tongue tendon where we actually traction the tongue. Yeah. And then there are some structures and you can get to them here from under the chin, but you can really get to them under the tongue. There's some structures along there. So and the general rule is follow bone, yeah. you know, like that'll be. So that'll Jeremiah um, was about to put two fingers in my mouth and he, and he's so kind that he was like, I'm just going to let you know that I'm going to do this and you may gag. And I was like, I, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I remember that now. And the two fingers go in the mouth, and we just made eye contact at some point. <laughs> and when he brought the fingers out, I was like, dude, I've been doing this since I was like 15. Like, <laughs> you probably could put your whole fist in my mouth. That's funny do you still how do that? Do you works. still put, do you still work inside the mouth? Yeah, what's funny though, and, and I guess this happens with rolfers as they get, you know, down the years. Uh huh. Um, you know, I've stopped doing a lot of the nose work. I, I do kind of explain what the traditional session is to people. Uh-huh. Whereas before, I used to just feel just them out right. and, and be like, yo, if you're into this, yeah. you can do this. And if not, think about it between now and next time. But um, I do a lot more mouth work than I do the nose work. But mm. if, if people have, if it's relevant, like they've got a sinus compression issue, you know, it's great for yeah. opening up yeah, the yeah, sinus yeah. cavity because yeah. that's essentially what you're doing. And there is some, there's a deep bone, which you can't really put your fingers on. You can touch it kind of in the roof of the mouth, but it's called the sphenoid. It looks like a bat. And it sits at the center of all your cranial bones. And so once you've opened up all the external fascia, like the temporal fascia, the cranial fascia, and then the jaw and all this stuff, then you can go in with your finger to the nose. Mm -hmm. And that, that finger serves as like a fulcrum around which then all this open cranial bones can kind of reorganize themselves. Okay. And then that gets into like just, you know, we've got joints in our head. Right. The sutures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those things are always moving. The the, the joints are mobile. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a refined touch to feel it. And that's really the specialty of something like uh, cranial sacral therapy. Mm. Works a lot with the cranial bones and yeah. just feeling the movement of them so how has um, how has your work changed uh, during COVID well like initially you mean or like uh, well like now like is it is it different or like as far as uh, the amount of people or just how like, you like how, how you work yeah well I'm sure like a lot of people having two months off and questioning whether or not I even had a business yeah. when it came back yeah. um, COVID came at a great time for me like where I was in my practice, mm. you know, I was really busy and burnt out. And anytime I don't love Rolfing, I know it's time for a break. Yeah. And what COVID allowed, the quarantine anyways, it allowed me, of course, to have a great time. I had a great quarantine. I hate to say it, but just having that time off and just being where I'm at in my life, I don't want to say fearless, but just kind of surrendered to... Mm. You know, because my dad died three years ago, so I just kind of went through two to three years of, like, deep, deep um, self-mortality work. Mm. Did that show up in your body? For sure. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was everything. It was mm. anxiety. I mean, I'll, I'll share a personal story because, like, I, I basically went through grief, right? The right. stages of grief. But me being a Gemini and analytical and whatever. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd have this anxiety. 
And then so I was alternating between depression and anxiety in the, say, two-year period after my dad died. Mm. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what, what is wrong with me? Yeah. You know? And then one night I woke up at like one o'clock in the morning in full panic, sweat, anxiety, and this had been happening. Mm. But for some reason this night, I wake up and the thought I get in my head is, Carl Jung, the stages of life. Mm. And I was way into Jung when I was in my 20s. I can totally see that. And something, I, I remembered something in this moment. So I get on my phone and I look up Carl Jung, stages of life. Well, then it brings up this website, like the first one. And it's like a list of 10 or 7 or whatever it was. But like one of the first ones, like when you hit your 40s or something it was, is come to terms with your own mortality. Mm. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. That's what this depression and anxiety is about. Yeah. So two years of that. I mean, I'm getting fucking chills talking about it. <laughs> so two years of that. And then I come out of this dark space, if you will. Right into COVID. Right into COVID. Mm. And I remember just almost like the, the witness in the background as the fucking mm. world was doing its thing. Yeah. And everyone had their experience. I'm not diminishing anyone's experience by sharing mine. No, not at all. I'm sitting on my back porch, probably having a beer. (laughs) And I just remember, like, a flash of fear comes in, like, oh, my God, fucking disease, COVID, you're going to die. And then chills came over my body Uh and, like, a smile. And it was like, dude, you've done this already. Like, you're ready. Ooh. You're ready. Oh, that just kind of gave me chills down my spine. Yeah. Like, like you're ready. Oh, wow. And that's, I, and I'm not saying fleeting moments. You know how this, the brain works. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can yeah, think yeah. you got something licked and <laughs> like all of a oh, sudden it comes God. heavier and harder. hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm not saying I got it licked, but like in this moment and I'm sort of riding the wave of this thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm 46 years old. Mm-hmm. I've lived a badass life. <laughs> like, meaning good yeah 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 my wife doesn't like me to talk like this but i said you know Mm. if i somehow whatever if the covid or car accident or whatever it was it's like i don't have regrets yeah i i i feel like i could go yeah and if i get another 40 fucking years then great right i mean that means it'll be twice as good You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I had a similar uh, experience a few years ago. Uh, I was driving, and I was, I was, I was going somewhere like begrudgingly, somewhere that I didn't want to go, and and I decided to take a different route. And it was it was a rainy morning, and so I take the exit, and my truck starts like hydroplaning, like I'm doing like three sixties, and weirdly, I was the only car like on both sides, you know, like there was no other traffic, yeah. and then my truck like goes up on this embankment and starts like sliding towards the river uh-huh. and i had this moment of where i was like oh my god i think this is it right <laughs> and it was weird like i didn't panic i was just like huh and then like the truck came to a, a still you know to a stop yep. but i was like oh that was interesting but I, that stuck with me for a long time I and mean, like even talking about it now where i was like oh wow i did not imagine that to be my reaction yeah you know but it is interesting Go ahead. Well, you just reminded me, like, I guess it was pre-COVID. I was in Colorado, mm-hmm. and a buddy of mine and his Prius, his two kids, and his wife 
we're driving up in a Prius on roads that shouldn't be into uh, a, like a backwoods place. Yeah. And we stop at this campground, which was closer to the road, because we had seen a fire, like small mm, fire in yeah. the hills. But we were in this next valley. And uh, we talked to the camp resident. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, they've been working on it. I'm sure it'll be fine. So we drive way back to, yeah. like, like, not primitive because we had our car, but there's no one around. Yeah. So we wake up the next day. We could smell smoke that night. And we wake up the next day because the wind was whatever. Right. And we wake up the next day and we hike deeper in, you know, who knows how long. And we get to a high point, thankfully, and we had cell service because we look back. There's this huge fucking cloud of smoke mm -hmm. over the next hill oh, or the wow. next mountain. Wow. So we call Forest Service and they're kind of like, yeah, you know, we're taking care of it, whatever. So should we leave? No. So we're like, yo, we better turn back. And as we're turning back, it gets bigger and redder and and like we're starting to freak out. Oh, wow. We pack up camp. Yeah. Okay, and we drive back down the forest road. And they locked it. <gasps> like, like you're stuck in? We're stuck in. And then this other truck is in front of us, like a husband and wife who had been day hiking. And we're like, what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. And we could see the road way down there. And finally, we we're like, well, we're going to backpack out. We might have to backpack out. And then the husband and wife are like, well, there's another road up there that comes out over the next valley. It's a long ways. And my buddy Nathan's like, well, that's a four by four road. Yeah. I got a Prius. And he goes, well, you can follow us. And if you get stuck, we'll Just throw you in the, in the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got two kids. Yeah. So we're driving. This fire's like over the thing. but it. And then I can't call Carol. Yeah. I got no cell service. Yeah. The kid, the, the, the wife's freaking out in the back. Right. Nathan's kind of like keeping it cool. But I went through this little thing in my head. You know, and mm. this is after my dad had died. Oh, so yeah, part yeah, of this. Yeah. Where you're like, this is it. And I'm like, is this it? Yeah. Do I go in a fire? And it scared the shit out of me, man. Not, like, well, cause, yeah. Because I thought, like, I'm going to, if I die, yeah. no one will know where I am. Right. I hadn't told Carol I was going into the Buffalo Peak Wilderness Area mm. or whatever it was. Like, I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> this, so, is, you know, this is why I don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. And I try to explain this. Nature does not want you in it. Stick to it the concrete. Sends, exactly. It sends animals and fires to drive you out, and y'all continue to go in. All right, I, I want to hit on one more topic okay. before we wrap up. Yep. It, it, it's probably impossible to do this in a short period of time, but we're going to try it. Um, is yoga bad for you? Too much. Yoga is bad for you. I and, agree. And that being said, I think there are certain structure types, um, like it's, hypertone types, yeah. where they can actually benefit from mm -hmm. yoga every day. Um, but somebody like me, who started as Gumby and then proceeded for 16 years of two-hour-a-day asana, mm, stressing the joints yeah. and ligaments or whatever, like... I don't need to do that much yoga. Yeah. I, I could stand here right now and touch my toes and you, put my um, leg behind my head. You do know, you still like, consider yourself a yoga teacher? You know, I, I mean, there, there are, I think I told you this the other day, those fleeting moments where I'm like, you know, as I'm exploring some other movement stuff, and I was like, man, this would blend together nice in a yoga class. Yeah. But it's short-lived. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. short-lived. So, so I, I, you know, actually, I don't identify as a yoga teacher. And I actually, when, when I quit teaching... I went through a very conscious um, disentanglement or, mm -hmm. or uh, I think that happens to a lot of people. Of, of, 
you know, literally like it was in my kinesis. Yeah. It yeah. was in it, it was in it, I was ego identified as yeah, a teacher. Yeah, yeah. So I had to dismantle the mind shit. But I also noticed because I'm very kinetic or yeah. kinesthetic or whatever. Um, I noticed as I stopped doing yoga, it was literally yoga coming out of my body because mm. when you train something into your body, it affects your mind. Yeah. So if you're a swimmer, you become swimmer. Right. right. Mind and body. Yeah. When you do yoga, you become yogi. Yeah. Mind and body. Yeah. You know, and the ego can't help but want to latch on to that. Mm. You know. So uh, Jeremiah used to be a very dreamy yoga teacher. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually how we met years ago. Before the hair started falling I, you out. You had that long flowing hair. I know the long locks. Oh. You had. That. I see some of those pictures, and I'm like, I know. Damn, man. <laughs> I think I was, no. I, I think I was already bald when I came to it, but yeah, I remember the time that you uh, you wouldn't let, allow anyone to speak in the room after your class. Do you remember that? Where you're like, yeah, don't ruin the vibe, man. <laughs> Not you didn't say that, but it was something to paraphrase that. Well, I, I don't want to talk smack. You know, my office is at a yoga studio, and and the other day I was walking by, the door was open, <laughs> and you know this very kumbaya fucking music was going on. And, uh, you know, everyone was in there being all sanctimonious and holy. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm just like, again, this is my projection because it's my personal experience. But I'm just like, wow, they really think this is real. <laughs> they really. And then I hearken back to the day when I was like, dude, I know some shit. And right. I need to teach people this right. shit. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, what a fucking bastard I was. I, oh, I th- I was an asshole. Like, the first... Shit, I don't know. First eight yeah. years I was teaching, I was... Yeah. Well, then layer all the other trappings of yoga onto right. it. Like, being a vegetarian uh, or whatever else it is. It's all just, like, this identification with something. I, and, and then you think the world should be like you. Yeah. And that's really what's going on everywhere. I mean, whether it's know, politics or whatever, and we won't approach those subjects but like yeah because that's a whole yeah you and i should probably do a whole other episode on on that i think we will okay. um all right so i uh i end with the questionnaire made famous by Bernard. Wait, can i crack one more beer of to bring course. it to an end <laughs> i'm still on my first one just so the listeners know you know threes are very uh auspicious three it's one of my power three five and eight are my power numbers there you go uh so the questionnaire made famous by bernard pivo and james lipton so it's rapid fire ready okay and i'm i've been working rapid fire like fast like just first thing that comes to your mind okay uh and i've been working on not reacting to people's answers because i've noticed that i tend to "Mm, oh oh that's good all right what is your favorite word? Word. Hmm. Damn it. Already out of the gate, I fucked it up. I was, trying to, I was trying to not respond to oh. your answer. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Panties. What excites you? Everything. I mean, that's... I mean, I literally, like... I totally think that's true. Yeah. You yeah. know me, dude. Like, yeah. Like, I fucking get maniacal. Yeah. Like, I I actually think I have... Like, I go manic sometimes. You not an a, expert on something. Not a DSM, but yeah. I just dive fucking into whatever. You do. And it's yeah. the flavor of the day, perhaps, but... <laughs> what sound do you love? 
I love the sound of certain types of trees, especially a cottonwood up in Minnesota where I'm from, when the wind is blowing through a grove of cottonwoods, it oh, sounds like an ocean. Oh, uh, I, I'm going to rephrase this because people seem to have an aversion to the word hate. What sound do you not like? What sound do I not like? Baby's crying. Mm. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. It's almost unanimous. What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Hmm. Rock star. Oh, yeah. What profession would you not like to participate in? I know it's supposed to be rapid fire. <laughs> you know, actually, I... I don't want to be a construction worker, mm. you know, because we live in Charleston. You see it everywhere, and yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm so glad I'm not on a it looks fucking hard roof right and now. Hot. Hard and hot, yeah. And just like, you know, all you can do is just props to them. But yeah. God, I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, last question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You were right, motherfucker. <laughs> That seems a perfect place to end this episode. Dude, that was awesome. Thank, it was awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at There Once Was a Yogi. Also, I have a YouTube channel if you want to practice yoga or meditation with me. Also under There Once Was a Yogi. And be sure to follow and leave a review. Thanks.